You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Well, today we're, we're launching into a new series that's all about the heart of Jesus called Gentle and Lowly. Now, some of you, if you are big on reading books, you might have heard of a book by the name of Gentle and Lowly. It's written by Dane Ortland, and it's the subtitles The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. Gentle and Lowly, it's, it's a book of encouragement for all of us, and this is how the, the author explains who it's written for. He says, Gentle and Lowly is written for the discouraged, the frustrated, the weary, the disenchanted, the cynical, the empty, those running on fumes, those whose Christian lives feel like constantly running up a descending escalator. Imagine doing that. Those of us who find ourselves thinking, how could I mess up that bad again? It is for that increasing suspicion that God's patience with us is wearing thin. For those of us who know God loves us, but suspect we have deeply disappointed him. We have told others of the love of Christ, yet wonder if, as for us, he harbours mild resentment. Who wonder if we've shipwrecked our lives beyond what can be repaired. Who are convinced we've permanently diminished our usefulness to the Lord. Who have been swept off our feet by perplexing pain and are wondering how we can keep living under such numbing darkness. Why am I leading us in this series? Well... Because in order to, to live and see through the numbing darkness of life in our broken world, because that's a good descriptor really, isn't it? The numbing darkness of our broken world. We need to know Jesus' heart. We need to understand, but not only understand, but experience on a personal level the reality that Jesus' heart is for us. Jesus' heart is for you. As Dane Ortland puts it, it is one thing to know the doctrines of the incarnation and the atonement and a hundred other vital doctrines. It is another more searching matter to know his heart for you. So what is Jesus' heart? What is Jesus' heart for you? How would you go about succinctly describing who Jesus is, what Jesus is like to someone who doesn't yet know him? They're all important questions to wrestle with and praise God, they're all questions that can be answered by opening God's word. So as we open God's word together this morning and and really marvel at Jesus' heart for sufferers and sinners, for each of us, let's invite Holy Spirit to, to encourage and stir our affections for Jesus and take us deeper in the knowledge but more more importantly, in the experience of Jesus' heart for us today. Let's pray together. Loving Jesus, we we just want to praise you. Thank you that even as we read before, your heart is that we would all be as little children and simply come to you. That's That's a great insight into your heart. And God, as we continue, as we start into this series, Lord, where we're looking at your heart, the heart that you have towards those who are suffering, those who are, who are battling with sin, 
God, we pray that we might have fresh revelation, not of Jesus' heart for people in general, not in what you did for others or the whole world, God, but what that actually means practically, experientially, every single moment of the day for us on a personal level. God, would we better grasp your heart and as we better grasp it and feel it, would that change our lives, we pray. Would you do this work, Jesus? In your name, we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30 is, is a passage that most people who love Jesus really cherish. It's, it's a wonderful passage that highlights the accessibility and kindness of Jesus toward anyone who humbly approaches him. Let's read it together. Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he says, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, if, now if you're anything like me, you, you read this or, or you hear it read and you think to yourself, great, I'm laboring, I'm heavy laden, rest sounds really good. I want some rest for my soul. And so you approach God, you transfer the, the heavy for the light, and you enjoy the rest that comes from handing burdens over to God. Yeah? You with me in that? That is a wonderful gift, isn't it? What a, an amazingly kind, considerate, loving God we serve. And yet, many, many times for me, I'm, I'm talking about myself, I think I've missed the most profound insight about Jesus about his very heart contained in this scripture. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am what? I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus describes here who he is. He describes himself as gentle and lowly in heart. For me, growing up, this was the opposite of what I thought when I thought about God or Jesus. I thought of God as being a somewhat distant deity, someone who sat on a golden throne on high, looking down on me, a bit like a, a spiritual Santa Claus, keeping a naughty list of all the things that I ever did wrong, ready for that moment when I die and give an account and just to wipe me out and send me off to hell. I didn't think of God as being gentle and lowly. I thought of God as being tough and distant on high. And naturally, through my teenage years, this had a profound impact on how I interacted with God. In fact, if I'm being completely honest, my concept of God was his heart toward me caused me to not want to draw near to him. Looking back many, many times, I didn't actually approach God because I didn't see him as being approachable or kind or think that he actually really wanted anything to do with me. Maybe for some of us here or listening or watching online, this is our current experience when it comes to how we view God. Or maybe it's been an experience in the past that continues to kind of have a bit of an impact on our ability to connect with God today. 
We might feel that God's patience with us is kind of wearing thin. We might feel like because of different choices in our lives that we've deeply disappointed him. Perhaps we even worry that God harbours resentment towards us. Chet, Chet Harvey, he's an associate pastor at Hebron Church in the US, he says this. He says, Our skewed intuitions often tell us that God is not gentle and loving toward us, but harbours resentment or anger. We can all too easily picture Jesus as coming close, but holding his nose. In order to embrace that Jesus longs to be near us, we have to rely on what God's word actually tells us about him rather than on our personal feelings. Friends, if this resonates with you, be encouraged today. God's heart is for sinners and sufferers. And it always has been. God's heart is for you. Way back in Exodus, in the Old Testament, chapters 33 and 34, read it this week, you'll, you'll see that it's a part where God renewed the covenant with Moses and God actually passed in his very presence. He, he showed himself to Moses on Mount Sinai, giving him a, a glimpse of his power and glory. And right here, God describes his character, his heart to Moses. God describes himself in Exodus 34, 6 to 7 as the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. God says, I am merciful and gracious. God says, I am slow to anger. I am abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I keep steadfast love for thousands. I forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. Now, you might say, well, that's very convenient. You... you you're talking about the first part and you left out the second part of that passage. You may, you're making God out to be loving when he's clearly not. Well, let me say this. God's heart is always to forgive iniquity and sin. In, you know, Exodus 34, 7, it says that. But God only forgives the iniquity and transgression and sins of people who actually humble themselves, who repent and turn to him. And that's why God says what he does in the second part of Exodus 34 to verse 7. He's making it clear for us, guys, I am gentle, I am lowly, and yet I'm also holy and I'm also just. I am gentle and lowly and I'm also good. I will give sin what it deserves. I will punish it. Yeah? As Isaiah 57, 15 to 16 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. God says, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a what? Contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry. High and lifted up and of a contrite and lowly spirit. 
holy and righteous and possessing a desire to draw near, to revive the spirit of the lowly, the hearts of the contrite. Now, here's the important thing to remember in all of this. The second part of Exodus 34.7 doesn't do away with or diminish the truth of the first, yeah? At the core of God's heart, at the core of his being, God is a God of unparalleled love, yeah? Think of 1 John 4, 7 to 12 um, for, for context. God is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love. He has a heart fundamentally that longs to forgive. That's who he is. And praise God, as we celebrated before, he's made the way for us to be forgiven through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God is, God's heart is gentle and lowly, and he is for sinners and sufferers. Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty nine, that he is gentle and lowly in heart. So what do these two words actually mean, gentle and lowly? Well, in a gentle and lowly devotional, it explains that the word translated gentle, praus, is a Greek word. And the Greek word translated gentle here occurs just three other times in the New Testament. In the first beatitude, when Jesus talks about the meek, praus, will inherit the earth. In the prophecy in Matthew 21 verse 5, that Jesus is the king, is coming to you humble, praus, and mounted on a donkey, and in Peter's encouragement to wives to nurture more than anything else the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle, praus, and quiet spirit, 1 Peter 3, 4. So that's what gentle. And in, when it comes to the word lowly, tapenos, it's often translated humble in the New Testament. James 4, 6 is a good example. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Tapenos, gives grace to the tapenos. But there's an important truth to draw out here, as Dane Ortland highlights. Typically, through the New Testament, this Greek word refers not to humility as a virtue, but to humility in the sense of destitution or being thrust downward by life circumstances. What's that getting at? Well, in other words, it's saying Jesus is of lowly estate. Jesus is of lowly estate. And we've just come off Christmas. This is highlighted for us each and every Christmas, isn't it? Whether it's explicitly spoken about from the pulpit, whether we're reading it in an Advent devotional, what do we see time and time and time again? That the holy and righteous sitting on high God chose to humble himself to be born of lowly estate, born in lowly estate. God in human form was born in a humble stable. And the Apostle Paul perfectly, I think, sums up Christ's humility with these words in Philippians 2, 5 to 8. Paul writes, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. 
and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Gentle, lowly, humble, kind, compassionate. This is God. He came down to us because he cares for us. And he died for us on the cross because he loves each and every one of his beautiful created women, children and men passionately. As Dane Ortland writes in Gentle and Lowly, Jesus is gentle and lowly. This is, this according to his own testimony, this is Jesus describing himself, remember, this is Christ's very heart. This is who he is, tender, opening, welcoming, accommodating, understanding, willing. If we are asked to say only one thing about who Jesus is, we would be honouring Jesus' own teaching if our answer is gentle and lowly. Friends, this is who Jesus is. This is his heart towards us, towards anyone who would turn to him and repent and follow him. And when we do, when we place our faith in Jesus, when we, you know, perhaps some of us have been walking with Jesus for for years and years and years, but have just, I don't know, slipped away or have become lost in that numbing darkness of our broken world. If we return to him, Jesus says, he promises that he, he will give us rest, rest for our souls. <clears throat> Matthew, <clears throat> excuse me. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. This, this is Jesus' words to you. It's Jesus' words to me. It's Jesus' words to all of us. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, I don't know where you're at with your relationship with God right now. Perhaps you've walked with Jesus, but you're not currently very close to him. Can I encourage you, just come to him today. The invitation's there. The way has been made for you to draw near to God. Come to him and ask him to renew your heart right now today. Don't worry about, don't get distracted about what's on you. As we read in the Jesus Storybook Bible before, it's got nothing to do with what's on us. It's got to do with what Jesus has done, yeah? Don't worry about your past. Don't worry about what you've done. Don't worry about what you haven't done over the years. He doesn't care about that. All he's concerned about is that you would choose to respond to his invitation and simply come to him afresh. And if you do that, I guarantee he'll come near to you and will embrace you with that kind of gentleness and compassion and kindness. And if you're here today or, or watching online and, you know, you're searching, you're, you're testing the waters, so to speak, 
with religion. Well, let me say this. Jesus is actually unlike any other God in world religions. Jesus cares so deeply about you that he gave up his own life that you might find freedom and hope in him. You ever look at any other world religion, any other deity, what do they require? They require your absolute obedience. What do they do for you? None of them will give up their life for you. Jesus is different. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is lowly. And Jesus has made the way to be right with God. No other God in any other form of religion did that. Only Jesus came down from his throne to rescue us, defeating sin once and for all. So if you're searching today, I want to encourage you, turn to Jesus for the first time. Experience him as gentle and lowly. And if you do, if you approach him with a sincere heart, that means to repent, which is to turn away from living life without him and instead turn to him by placing your faith in him. If you do this, and he will forgive you, cleanse you, and gift you his peace. And, and when you do, you'll experience rest. Not just rest like some of us have experienced over January, a nice break somewhere, a circuit breaker, that then we get back to work and we're tired again. No, we're talking about the deepest rest you can experience. Rest, satisfaction for your soul. If that's you, turn to him today. I love what Dane Ortland says about Jesus' natural posture. He writes, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh, reactionary, easily exasperated. He is the most understanding person in the universe. The posture most natural to him is not a pointed finger, but open arms. Will you turn to Jesus today, friends? Again, or for the first time? It doesn't matter because Jesus is waiting. He is waiting for us to approach him and he's waiting for us to approach with open arms. Would you turn to him today? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that... As we look at your word, and, and I know personally as I read this passage, so often I've overlooked this, this key insight into who you are, into the very nature of God. You yourself describe yourself as gentle and lowly. God, it's amazing. We're in awe. Would you even, even today as we've been reminded of this wonderful truth, Lord. Would you just be breaking down any misconceptions we have of you? God, where perhaps we see you just as a, as a judge with the, the, the tick box list of just waiting for us to slip up again and then holding all those things against us, God. Would, be, would we be reminded that, no, 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 no. First and foremost, you are gentle. You are lowly. You have a heart for sufferers. You have a heart for sinners. God, help us to see that. Help us to understand that in our heads, Lord. But let that sink down deep within our hearts so that we can, as we exist in this fallen, broken world, as we, as we 
see the effects of sin all around us as we battle with the own persistent sin in our own lives, God? Would we come to understand and feel for ourselves the great compassion and kindness of Jesus? And Lord, as we press into you and as we draw near to you, we know that you will draw near to us, as James 4.8 says, God, would we experience that beautiful rest, that deep soul rest, we pray. God, we thank you that your heart has always been for sufferers, for sinners. And God, we thank you that in Jesus, we can, through faith in Jesus, we can connect with you, abide with you, and enjoy you and be at peace with you. And we thank you for that, God. You are such a good God, and we thank you that you are gentle and lowly. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.